This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. It was back in 2016 when Target first stepped into the fray, opening its restrooms to any and all genders. There was a backlash, no doubt about it. Well, Target's decided to go back to the well one more time, featuring some, well, now it's transgender items for children. And the backlash, well, it didn't even begin before they started walking that one back. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate in the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Lay out a timeline for us. Where did all of this (laughs) consumer backlash against big corporate America begin? I really think the first story that made it into headlines and made the mainstream press kind of add a new wrinkle to its religious right threatens America scenario was 1997 when the Southern Baptist Convention called for a boycott of Disney. And that got a lot of attention. So how many years ago is that? I mean, at least a quarter of a century, let's just put it that way. And the Southern Baptists called off their boycott in 2005, I believe that was, and just kind of admitted that it was futile. And those of us who were in journalism at that time and were covering that sensed that there was another story or several stories looming in the background. And one of them was ordinary people in the Southern Baptist Convention suddenly realized that they were having trouble living their lives without VHS tapes to stick into machines to keep their children happy and that their little girls still wanted to be princesses because there was no way around that barrage of messages. And then the dads began to realize that Disney owned ESPN. And if you were going to boycott Disney World, did that mean that to be consistent, you needed to boycott ESPN and sports? And at that point, it began to get like, all-consuming. I mean, you mean like I'm supposed to give up college football? I'm supposed to give up real life? I mean, this isn't just about a theme park somewhere. So that started a lot of discussions. And then things just continued to escalate. I mean, as we began to hear complaints about ESPN being woke in a number of other different ways, and then Eventually, I think, in addition to this issue of whether culturally conservative parents actually want their homes to be different from the American norm, they want to be able to look their children in the eye and say, our home is not like your friend's home. We're going to live a different life. So you have that issue in my mind, and that's a religion story looming in the background. 
And then the political story that's looming in the background is the overwhelming realization that's hitting people that the old world of country club Republican life, where corporations and big money belonged to the GOP, and it was the Democrats who were in favor of cracking down on corporate sin and robber barons for a different age needed to be controlled because they were creating what amounted to massive corporate structures that you just couldn't, and you might at some point have to fight them or embargo them or try to pass laws against them. You turn that around today, and all of the major corporations of America are primarily identified with the Democratic Party and with cultural change through sensitive, informed capitalism, et cetera, et cetera. Even if you're dealing with someone like Amazon, which is an anti-union company, which used to be the Democratic Party, but now Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, the official newspaper of the Democratic Party on many levels, and it goes on and on. So we've got a lot of individual stories breaking out right now, and so many of them, and we could run all through the, the whole list. But from the viewpoint of Get Religion, not only is this all linked to this kind of 50-50 divide in American culture between blue coastal elite culture and supposedly middle American culture. Yeah, but don't forget, Walmart is now woke. And if, if middle America can't trust Walmart with its Be Proud Disney t-shirts now lining up for Pride Month and everything, if you can't trust Walmart, who are you supposed to? to trust. That 50-50 divide is really the overarching story, and that's essentially, in my mind, a culture, moral, religious division in American life. Churches aren't ready for it, corporations aren't ready for it, the media isn't ready for it, but get religions also going to remind you that everything you know about this story, to one degree or another, is coming to you through the media. And at every conceivable level, this earthquake is shaking our mass media structures as well. Why are the media reluctant? And I want to talk about the latest chapter, which involves Target again. Yeah. Putting some just absolutely ridiculous and depraved products in children's sections. And then I don't even think a backlash had time to form. I think some of their people watch, watched Twitter and said, uh-oh, I think we just stepped in Bud Light territory. And they begin to backtrack immediately. But the media have a hard time explaining why they're doing it. They have a hard time making yeah. a explicit reference to the products themselves that cross the line for so many target consumers. Well, and that's similar to the fact that the media has trouble discussing the contents of the books that people are asking that their children be exempted from, or that they're asking that the books be removed from educational reading lists, especially for very young kids. Surely our listeners have seen the videos on YouTube and elsewhere of people getting up at school board meetings and taking the books out 
and starting to read from them and then being silenced and even taken out of the room by police because they, those books are obscene and can't be read in a school board meeting. And yet the books were checked out of an elementary school or a middle school. So the, the press can't handle the content issues. To me, the even more important issue is what is this whole debate actually about with the trans issues at a host of different levels? And basically, the press at its most foundation levels has chosen a side in how they will describe it. Now, I don't mind it at all if they quote people on both sides of this debate and put material in their stories that explain to the reader what this means to the LGBTQ plus left. By the way, the Associated Press, I think it was yesterday, added a plus to the end of that for all references in Associated Press copy. So it's now LGBTQ plus. And at the same time, the press doesn't want to cover the tensions between the lesbian and gay and maybe even bisexual component of that rights block with the trans issue now. And that's a huge story that's linked to a lot of this as well, the tensions in particular between trans activists and lesbian activists. But let me read you just a couple of paragraphs from an Associated Press story about the Target controversy. And this ran in the Washington Post. It's running all over where since it's in the Associated Press, this is the story that most of our listeners will run into if they consume the mainstream press on this story. So let me read this. Target's response to confrontations in its stores is taking place as state legislatures introduce a record number of bills targeting LGBTQ plus individuals. Remember that phrase, targeting LGBTQ plus individuals. There are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills that have gone before state legislatures since the start of this year, an unprecedented number according to the American Civil Liberties Union. These efforts focus on health, particularly gender-affirming care for transgender youth and education. State legislatures are pushing to prevent discussions in school regarding sexuality and gender identity. Now, in those three paragraphs, is there a sentence in that paragraph that you can read without thinking, well, that's how one side of this debate wants to phrase that. How would the other side of the debate want to phrase it? Which comes down to an essential question here. What is the debate about? Is it about civil rights for transgender people? And that's the phrase we read over and over. Transgender people then assumably means people of all ages. Well, don't forget that the single greatest victory for the rights of transgender people was handed to the LGBTQ plus movement by a Supreme Court justice appointed by Donald Trump and someone who is considered a conservative member of the court, that being Neil Gorsuch. So I think readers aren't getting any information about the fact that conservatives are divided on how to deal with this. The actual 
real knock-down, drag-out disputes that are going on right now with woke capitalism and education, etc., all focuses on children, issues related to minors, specifically elementary school children even, and then moving up into middle school at the very least. Parents are saying, okay, at the very least, you have to let me pull my children out of activities that I believe are an attack on our most cherished religious beliefs, at least exempt my children. Well, what's the other issue behind that that the press is having trouble covering, which is the fact that in some public schools, teachers have actually entered agreements or have policies backing them from their school boards maybe, and for sure their administrators, that they will prevent parents from even knowing if their children are learning this kind of material and if the children have decided to start the process of changing their gender identity. So I would argue that the basic phrase, anti-LGBTQ bills, using that as a summary phrase for what's actually happening in state legislatures is incredibly simplistic and one-sided and doesn't let readers know why emotions are so high, that this is essentially a parental rights issue. But the minute I say parental rights, that gets us into what the left is now approaching, which is, I believe it was Washington State now, that actually is considering legislation in a deep blue culture politically to make it openly and explicitly state that it will be okay for schools to hide these issues from parents because parents may be endangering their children. Now, these are really, really high stakes. And I, I would remind our listeners that when you look at this from a First Amendment issue and from a religious liberty issue, and parental rights and religious liberty are definitely linked on both the left and the right, that the court tries to stay out of these debates unless you're dealing with religious groups that are fraud, profit, and clear threat to life and health. Well, both sides are now saying these disputes concern a clear threat to the life and health of our children. The left, well, what used to be called the left, I guess they're progressives now, the left, some of the left, is saying that, and that's certainly right there in that Associated Press story. That's the DNA of that language. And at the same time, you have cultural conservatives and some liberals, even some lesbians and gay leaders, are saying, no, we're talking about a threat to the life and health of minors if we allow permanent forms of gender transition to begin. Then you get into whether the press can accurately cover what constitutes permanent changes. Is that hormones? Is that other blocking drugs, etc.? Gosh, I wish it wasn't that complex. But all of that ends up with parents standing in front of a rack of clothing designed by a Satanist. That's true. It's, nobody denies that. On sale at their local Target and 
yelling at a salesperson, what is this doing in my Target store? What is this doing here? And that then gets reported to the police as a threat to life and health, a dangerous triggering event for the store, people, et cetera, et cetera. And off we go. So are the media able to make distinctions on LGBTQ issues when it comes to children? Are they able to accurately report the parental objection to this is, I'll put it this way, Terry, I think the average soccer mom walks into Target, sees a pride flag, and just keeps walking and doesn't care. Right. But when she walks in and she sees clothes that are specifically designed to push gender transition on children, even that soccer mom who probably has a lot of gay friends in yeah. her book club and is proud of it, that's crossed the line for her. Can the media hear from that person who says this is too much? Well, notice that in that third paragraph it said most of the efforts focus on health, particularly gender-affirming health care for transgender youth. Now, whose language is gender-affirming health care for transgender youth? I mean, it's, Which, the, it's the activist language. It's the activist language from one side. This brings us to another, I think, very important story that you and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I think the single most important story that the American press is not covering is the fact that over in Europe, specifically in the United Kingdom, people are seriously facing class action lawsuits, facing scientific evidence. People are beginning to pull back from permanent transition beginning for minors. And the big story here is the Tavistock Center, the largest center, I believe, in the world at one time for gender-affirming care for minors. They've stopped offering it because of the realizations of the medical risks, the possibility for class action lawsuits, and Britain shut down Tavistock, that center. If you do a search in Google News for that, you will find stories, but you will not find it mentioned in the debates about what's happening with these various boycott threats and other issues involving transition. Instead, you get over and over bills targeting LGBTQ individuals. And now we have boycotts targeting trans individuals, I guess, with the Dylan Mulvaney case with Bud Light. And you cannot stress how stunning the collapse of Bud Light has been in terms of losing potentially, I'm hearing figures between 25 and 40 percent of their market in different parts of the country. And it turns out that there are normal people in blue, in red America, I should say, who used to drink Bud Light and they don't want to be seen anywhere near it now. I could link this to so many stories. This is linked probably to the armed forces deciding to use trans and drag queen influencers now for the sake of military recruiting. Is that going to really win over hearts and minds in the parts of the nation that tend to have young people who are driven by family history and culture to enter the military? Is that going to help you recruit people in Kansas and East Texas and Missouri and Alabama? Or 
there really lots of, making a joke about it, are there really lots of LGBTQ mainline Protestants in parts of Brooklyn that are anxious to join the military? These issues all keep linking, and basically, they're linked to a 50-50 divide in the American public over how to handle the more extreme forms of the sexual revolution. And capitalism isn't set up to handle 50-50 divides in our country. And as I stressed in my essay for Faith and Liberty, the essay that we talked about a lot a couple of weeks ago, the American concept of the press isn't set to handle bitter 50-50 divides of this kind as well. What will the Associated Press and the other most common forms of mainstream media do with this story? At the moment, it looks like they want to remain explicitly on one side of the story and not even consider quoting the other side accurately. So, Terry, I want to come back to something you mentioned in passing there, and that is, and I assume this is reflected or will be reflected in the AP Style book, which is kind of the Bible of style for most print journalists, and that is the addition of the plus to the acronym LGBTQ. What does it mean? That's just an open window. It means basically whatever you want it to mean. It's like a lot of gay and lesbian activists right now are very upset about the growing use of the word queer to simply decide people who simply want to say, hey, I'm queer. And you can't question what that means because it means whatever they want it to mean on any given day. It's central to this idea that one's gender identity and one's, even one's sexual preference can change hour to hour, day to day, and that the legal structures in American life need to be flexible enough to handle the fact that you have an individual who on one day wants to be affirmed as a male and on the next day wants to be affirmed as a female. And that's that. You can't question it. And it doesn't have anything to do with science. And you can't say it has to do with mental health because that would imply some sort of negative judgment. And the plus symbol there is just, it's like plus whatever you want to add to the end of this list, that plus stands for it. Let's talk a little bit more about my my <laughs> proverbial soccer mom. Your soccer mom. I said this is a bridge too far for her, and the bathroom issue was not enough to trigger her. Well, it, it triggered a lot of soccer moms, and it triggered a lot of people, and Target tried to solve that problem with throwing millions of dollars at changing some of its bathrooms in different parts of the country. And we don't know how much how many customers they lost, and we don't know how that affected their profits or stock. But people need to realize that was 2016. That was quite some time ago. And I guarantee you, if your soccer mom actually has a personal incident involving being in changing rooms or being in bathrooms at Target and has an encounter with an anatomical male 
person in her woman's bathroom, she's probably going to take her six-year-old child by the hand and turn around and get out of there really fast. I would recommend, here I go, recommending Twitter again. We can get to Twitter in a minute. I would recommend that people who use Twitter simply go to Twitter and in the search line write hashtag target boycott. That's where the action is right now with people bringing videos from their local Target store and people who are posting screenshots of Target stock prices, stock values, hour to hour. That's where it's all happening right now because that's where people have the ability to post information. This Target thing, will it be as big as Bud Light? I don't know because more soccer moms shop at Target then probably drink Bud Light, as opposed to a lot more people in fraternities and pickup trucks and other things that are stereotypically male used to drink Bud Light. So uh, there's a difference between beer and Target, as we used to call it. And I, yes, I do have to admit that when we lived in Maryland, my family frequented Target. And when we moved to East Tennessee, we no longer go. We just decided we think we'll go somewhere else. Even though, yes, that means passing the Pride Rack at Walmart and the Pride Rack at Kroger and the Pride Rack at Google and everything else. This issue isn't going away for folks. Okay, so how would you apply this to churches in blue states, especially those that host public events? We have our annual conference now for several yep. years in Chicago, which is the Deep Blue Center of a mostly red state. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, but let's back up one step from that. If this issue is about women's privacy, notice that we're arguing about showers in schools, public schools, for sure, liberal private schools, for swim teams and soccer teams. So we've got privacy issues in showers for children of all ages. We have bathrooms. I also find it very poignant that this is now being argued about in shelters and jails and prison. And you used to be able to say, trust the women, believe the women. And if a woman said, I feel physically threatened, I feel unsafe, I was in this shelter and watched another person be raped by a genetic male, I no longer feel safe here. We used to be able to say, that it was liberal to listen to them. Now, those people are helping conservatives to pounce on the rights of LGBTQ plus individuals. So how do we cover a detransitioning female? How do we cover a lesbian like Martina Navratilova, who now doesn't want to see young female tennis players, straight and gay, have to compete against biological males in tennis, or volleyball, or swimming, or cycling, or any other race where it kind of fits. So I would ask listeners to watch for female privacy issues, and now you're beginning to see even people like Bill Maher and other old-fashioned liberals say, well, what happened to Title IX? 
weren't we supposed to be protecting the rights of female activists to fair competition and to be able to press their abilities to the best of their abilities? And does that mean having to swim against a biological male who can knock them off the winner's stand and potentially cost them scholarships and financial aid and money to promote their careers? What happened to the rights of women? That's another issue I would stress. Now, your question about churches is kind of scary, but this has come up in some parts of the nation. What happens if your Christian college or your local church gains income from renting its facilities to public groups for concerts, shows, forums, conventions, et cetera, et cetera. What if you open your facilities to them? Does that mean that your bathrooms have to meet the code of your blue local governments, which might even have declared itself to be a sheltering city for minors who are fleeing their parents and have come to Seattle or Denver or isn't the whole state of California now a shelter for trans minors to where they can run away from their parents and come there and know that they can get care no matter what their parents say. Do you think that at some point that could affect the lives of Christian colleges and churches in those states? Well, watch California, but watch other places as well. Or you simply have to say, I'm sorry, we'll pass up that income. We are no longer going to allow our facilities to be used by anyone not willing to sign our church or our college's doctrinal statement. That's probably the only way you can protect yourself. But lots of schools, and I think there are some Lutheran schools in this mix, I know there are Baptist schools in this mix, that aren't crazy about having people have to sign a binding contract related to doctrine or something like that, because it's going to cost them tuition dollars, and someday it may cost them federal aid dollars. It could mess up their accreditation standards or gosh, heavens to Murgatroyd, it might affect Baylor's ability to compete in the Big 12 if ESPN and other activists decide to strike back against religious schools that take doctrine seriously and the behavior of their students. Do you see how we could just go on and on and on linking these issues? But it all comes down to how far is your religious organization willing to go to defend its doctrines with its own children and its own members in this increasingly divided corporate and media structures that they live in? So we're going to be consumers or not of these companies, but we're also going to be consumers of news on this. Yes. What should the savvy news consumer be looking for in future coverage? This story, I believe, I don't think anyone was expecting the Bud Light boycott to last as long, but it appears to have legs. So it's a story that's not going away. Well, there's an old saying in journalism 
that goes like this. Freedom of the press belongs to people who own one. And that's a sad truth for many people, but it also defends the rights of publishers to control what they publish. If you own the printing press, you have the freedom of defining what that means. Well, one of the reasons why the battles for Twitter and symbolic events now, like Ron DeSantis announcing his campaign for the presidency on Twitter, and that scary moment for Fox News, Fox News is now being boycotted by lots and lots of people. And I guarantee you, liberals are not tuning into Fox News to help support its fight with Tucker Carlson. One of the reasons why people are so upset about Twitter and Elon Musk in particular, the new headline on a commentary at The Atlantic, Twitter is a far right social network. It can no longer be denied. One of the reasons they're so scared about this is if freedom of the press belongs to someone who owns one, Elon Musk can own one. And forget Twitter. This is a guy who's putting hundreds, maybe thousands of satellites in the sky. The cultural left loved Elon Musk and Starlink, his satellite system, when it was helping Ukraine. Are they going to feel the same about Elon Musk and Starlink when it makes possible for Tucker Carlson to put his show directly onto Twitter, where he got numbers on his first message equal to like all of the evening commentary shows on all the major networks combined? And how does CNN feel about that in a time when right now they're running fourth? in some of the crucial periods of time in the evening marketplace of news and commentary? How does CNN get back into the game in a culture that's divided 50-50? It's back to the end of that lecture I gave a couple of years ago at the Issues Etc. conference. Where do you go to get your news? And at that time, if you'll remember, I suggested Twitter as a place where you at least have the option of creating yourself a list of intelligent, old-school liberal voices that you respect and broad-minded conservatives that you respect and trying to find out where they're getting their news, what they're reading, and what they're taking seriously. But if Twitter is now defined officially as a far-right social network simply because it will not practice the censorship policies and I'm using censor there in a not-so-legal way, simply because Musk seems determined not to silence lots of people that previously were silenced and were guilty of violent speech, hate speech, misinformation, and all those terms that are being used, that I don't think they're going to shut Elon Musk down unless he at some point decides he has better things to do with his time. Maybe he gets on the ship to Mars. But do you remember what set Elon Musk off and made him consider buying Twitter? Do you remember the incident? Absolutely. It's, yeah, what was it? It was the suspension of the Babylon Bee account. It was the suspension of the Babylon Bee account. And Musk, I believe this week, is taping a new interview with the Babylon Bee. So I would suggest to our listeners that when that hits Twitter, and you know it will, 
when that hits the Babylon Bee and other right, far right social network sites, they might want to listen to what the man who owns that printing press is thinking. Because I think he intends to push the apple cart of television news and commentary completely over. And I think Tucker Carlson will be the lever he uses to tip that machine. Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion, and he's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.